John Calipari has five freshmen and two seldom used sophomores under scholarship for the 2023-24 season, and he is still focused on recruiting high school kids. Will they make any noise in the transfer portal, or is Kentucky just hoping they can win with youth? You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, the only daily national college basketball show out there, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Andy Patton. I want to thank all of you for making Locked On College Basketball your first listen or your first watch of the day. Don't forget that we are available anywhere that you get podcasts and, of course, on YouTube and we are sponsored by Bird Dogs. So go to birddogs.com slash locked on college. And when you enter the promo code locked on college, they will throw in free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every single order. All right. Thrilled to be joined today by Lance Da, who is probably not as thrilled as I am to talk about <laughs> In their offseason at this point, of course, Oscar Shibwe decides to remain in the NBA draft. Antonio Reeves removes his name from the NBA draft process, but doesn't necessarily sound like that means that he is coming back to Kentucky. This is now one of the least experienced college basketball programs in the country at this point. And it seems like the last couple of years have showed us that experience tends to be really, really important when you get into March. Lance, I want to start talking about Shibwe and that decision because it felt like something that really was kind of hanging over Kentucky's head throughout the entire offseason, had an impact with the Hunter Dickinson decision, likely had uh, impacts on various other decisions made by players throughout the offseason, and he ultimately decides to give it a shot in the NBA draft. Were you surprised by that decision from Shibwe? I was not. I wouldn't say surprised is is the word I would I would use there. I did predict him to return to Kentucky, but I was not shocked uh, that he decided to keep his name in the NBA draft. And you make a really good point there, Andy, about how it just kind of put a damper on everything else Kentucky wanted to do in this cycle. And I was of the opinion uh, that I thought that Shibway staying in this year's draft would be the most beneficial thing for him, as opposed mm-hmm. to returning for another season. You mentioned the freshman. Probably not as many touches and playing time as he would want, especially with the Uganda and Yenzo developing, which we'll talk about all these guys later. But Mm -hmm. Shibwe's decision was not necessarily a shock, but I think it sent the fan base into a shock whenever it was officially announced that, okay, this is the reality. We don't have a starting center. And on top of this, we have had several guys that Kentucky has looked at, so to speak, or made offers to or gotten really close with uh, whenever you talk about guys like Hunter Dickinson. And they've whiffed on every single one of them up until this point. And it was largely due in part to the fact that Shibwe uh, was waiting to make that that decision. Understandably so. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, it was not a shock to me, but it was a shock that it was. This is the reality now. Like Mm -hmm. some people were expecting it, but it it really, really stinks, Andy, whenever it actually comes to fruition that this is the situation that we're in. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, for those who don't know, I, I also host the Locked on Zags podcast. And and this offseason, Drew Timmy made it very clear he was not planning to return to school. But last offseason, he was one of the not one of he was the very last player to announce whether he was going to come back or not. And obviously, he ultimately ended up coming back, which was fantastic. But Throughout that offseason process, Gonzaga had been connected to Jonai Broom, who went to Auburn. They had been connected to Dawes Amac, who went to Texas Tech. And those players didn't come to Gonzaga because they didn't know what was going to happen with Drew Timmy. Again, it worked out for Gonzaga because Timmy came back. 
But you can see the flip side here where Kentucky doesn't get some of those big name players they may have otherwise gotten, including, you know, one of the biggest name players to ever enter the portal in Hunter Dickinson. And you can't blame the players. You alluded to that already, Lance. It's not Chibwe's fault that this is the rules and, and the way and he wanted to spend as much time as possible to make that decision. I don't blame him, but it's frustrating to be in situations where players can't really make up their mind because of something like this. And then ultimately a team like Kentucky ends up kind of just holding the bag at the end without anything to show for it. Yeah, and it's a really tough spot right now for the Wildcats because they've been looking at various other pieces, but they've yet to identify somebody that can be that replacement for mm-hmm. Shibwe. And so, again, you had all of these different people enter the transfer mm-hmm. portal that could have been either really solid options or just like, okay, we'll take them options. Mm-hmm. At this point, Kentucky barely even had, has any of those uh, that mm-hmm. they can be looking at. So your, your center position is in dire need yeah. of uh, of another body period like you cannot enter this season with the expectation that you gonna and Yenzo and Aaron mm-hmm. Bradshaw are going to be the ones that are able to hold the fort down uh, mm-hmm. at that five spot because Bradshaw's made it very clear Cal has made it very clear uh, they're going to be playing a seven footer at power forward this season they're not going to be playing him at center so that leaves you one guy who has very limited experience was dealing with injury a little bit last season do we expect him to come in this offseason and just develop into a starter-ready type of center in the SEC on a very young team? Mm-hmm. Uh, I just don't know what, what Kentucky's expectations here are. And mm-hmm. right now, Andy, it's um, I, I have tried not to be freak-out mode, world <laughs> is ending, um, fire cow, burn, mm-hmm. burn Rupp Arena down. Like, I've tried not to be <laughs> that dramatic. Right. But it really does seem like this coaching staff doesn't have a lot of answers to the problems that they currently have. And they've got a lot of them in the center position. They have still yet to even come up with an inkling. It seems like of of how to actually figure that out. We'll circle back to the specific positional needs here a little bit later in the show, but I want to talk about the need for veteran experience. And Mm. specifically I want to talk about Antonio Reeves because there's not a lot of options in the portal. And again, we will we will cover what options are out there for Calipari uh, in the transfer portal. But one of the best options for Kentucky in terms of adding some veteran experience to this roster is to secure Antonio Reeves for another season of college basketball. He, again, pulled out of the NBA draft as as of right now, has not put his name in the transfer portal, but as a graduate transfer, he can do that at any point. What are you hearing? What are you thinking? What are your kind of impressions on Antonio Reeves at this point? Is he thinking about coming back to this program, do you think? Or or kind of where are we at with Reeves right now? Midway through the process, my expectation was that he was going to return to school. And I continued to harp on the fact that uh, Kentucky could sales pitch him, I think, relatively easily on, on what life as a Wildcat for one more year would look like. And I think it had a lot to do with the fact that I think they can provide him the money that, that he was being given last season. And then on top of this, I truly do think that Kentucky can allow him the playing time or the starting minutes that he wants, because let's be honest, there are not a lot of guys on roster right now. So you right. could really easily make that pitch and say, you're going to be able to be a leader. You're going to be able to display your skills for one more season, kind of get ready for a, a better shot at the NBA draft. You can be one of the leaders, if not the leader on this team and I thought that that was very cut and dry as to how Kentucky could present it, but it feels like uh, Reeves has looked at other opportunities here uh, over these past couple of weeks. And uh, I've not had conversations with, uh, with anybody recently that would be in the know that says anything other than I don't know what Antonio Reeves is going to do right now. He supposedly had a conversation with coach Cal yesterday uh, to kind of sort things out and figure out what he wants to do with his future. 
We haven't heard any news. Uh, you talk you talk to any Kentucky beat writers. You look at what they're tweeting. Look, look at what they're writing. They all say essentially the same thing this afternoon, Andy, which is that you don't really know what Antonio Reeves is going to do. Is he going to take a look at a team like Michigan, Illinois, right. Oklahoma? You see these names being thrown out there, but you have yet to hear any sort of significant news pulling him one direction or another. And so it's a very tough spot, again, for, for guys like us to sit here and talk about it because we'd love to be able to, to get at least a little bit of information out there right. as to what's going on with this kid. But as of today, we haven't heard anything. And he, like you said, he can do this at literally any point he wants. So he's probably going to take his time. It's a very important decision. Well, regardless of whether Reeves comes back or not, it's very clear that this team is going to be really really young next season. And the big question that we want to answer here at this point is whether you can win in this era of college basketball with a super young team. And we're going to discuss that right after a word from today's sponsor, Bird Dogs. I don't know how else to say it, so I'll just keep it simple. Bird Dogs shorts and pants make you look good. The Bird Dogs stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg and give you a truly sculpted look. And I know all of us out there we want a little bit of help with how our legs look. Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but they fit way better. They also fit better than regular shorts made of stiff, restricting cotton. How? Well, Bird Dogs fixed it by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches, so you get a slimmer fit without sacrificing movement. It also uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. I just finished working out a little bit ago and man, my athletic bird dog shorts are so comfortable for working out in and I am so thankful for them. So go to birddogs.com slash locked on college right now and enter promo code locked on college for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on college for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. I promise. Bird dogs, a proud sponsor of the locked on podcast network. Folks, I want to thank all of you for making Locked On College Basketball your first listen or your first watch every single day. For you everyday listeners, tomorrow on the show, my co-host Isaac Shade will be speaking with Leaf Tulin of the Locked On NBA Big Board discussing a pair of Arkansas prospects in the NBA draft, Anthony Black and Nick Smith Jr. It is a fantastic show. Highly recommend checking it out. But for now, we're sticking in the SEC and we are talking about the Kentucky Wildcats. And Lance, the question is simple. It's not 2012 anymore. Can John Calipari and the Kentucky Wildcats win with a super young team? Look, they have a great recruiting class. There's no debate about that. The best in the class of 2023, but it's not considered the strongest recruiting class. And there's not a lot of experience on this roster. What do you think about this team's ability to win with, uh, with the roster they have as currently constructed? I'm very happy that we're talking about this today because this has been a talking point among Kentucky fans here for the past couple of weeks is just, mm -hmm realizing that the situation is dire and that you are walking into the 2023-24 season which what with what could end up being the youngest team in the country and you, we can pull up the Kimpom metrics whenever November gets here and we'll probably see them right there at the bottom at 363 uh, in terms of in terms of total experience it's just a weird uh, yeah. place to be in but Cal's been here before and uh, a question that has been asked is well what does the ceiling look like on a team that's so young in this, in today's age of college basketball, and I did an episode on this recently, Andy, where I went back and looked at the past decade of of national, or excuse me, the number one recruiting classes, and then how they performed. Most of them are Duke or Kentucky. A couple of them are Memphis, and almost every single one of them end up in a Route of Thirty Two exit or an Elite Eight exit. 
only <laughs> one national title, one national title in the past decade with the number one recruiting class, and it was Kentucky. It was the Wildcats, albeit, mm-hmm. but like you said, mm-hmm. it's not 2012 anymore. We Correct. aren't living in that day and age of college basketball. It is so much more important now that you're able to grab experienced veteran players that understand the game and are able to operate maybe with a blend of youth and experience, but you need some of these older guys on your roster. Kentucky may be fun to watch. They may be athletic. They may have a good regular season, but you said it best in order to have success in March, which at the the end of the day is what this fan base is starving for. You need to have older players. And with Kentucky being as young as they are, I've tried to put it gently to the people that listen to my show. It's probably not going to happen, especially with the fact that you are currently sitting here. It's it's early June and you've got seven kids to show for it. I mean, you're not sitting in a good spot moving forward. And again, like you said, I know these players are talented. I know Aaron Bradshaw is talented. I know DJ Wagner and Rob Dillingham. That's going to be a fun backcourt to watch. But I don't know if they're going to be able to get it done in March just simply because history says no, and it says no adamantly over the past few years. So the way that Kentucky has constructed their roster I don't think is built for success in the postseason. Again, that's what this fan base wants. I think that's what Cal wants. I don't think they're going to get it this year, just straight up. What do you make of Cal kind of turning his attention to a pair of – Class of 2023 recruits. I, mm-hmm. I mean, with no disrespect to Joey Hart or Jordan Burks, I, I would love to hear your thoughts on those two guys in particular. We're recording this Tuesday afternoon. I, I know Burks is expected to commit on Wednesday. So by the time folks are listening to this, he may have already made his decision there. Hart's probably going to follow soon. But what do you kind of make of, of Cal? Do you think this is a situation where they are just not finding anything they like in the portal and they just figured, hey, let's just keep trying the class of 2023? Is it something where maybe these guys are, are underranked by 24-7 sports? Or is it just kind of a, hey, we just need bodies to fill out the roster and these are two guys who are capable of being that? I'm kind of shooting from the hip here, Andy, because mm-hmm. I've been trying to think through this as well for the past couple of days because the situation, it seemed like initially was that, oh, Shibwe is kind of, holding this team back from adding more bodies and this recruiting class is holding this team back from adding more bodies. Maybe once we get some more answers on Shibwe, Reeves, Livingston, we'll start to figure out, okay, Kentucky can actually go after some of these portal players and they can actually land them Uh, again. As of Tuesday afternoon, that's still not happened yet. So it seems like the Wildcats have turned their attention to, well, we have to get bodies in the room So let's go after the only thing that we can right now, which is some of these younger players. Now I'm speculating there whenever I say that it could, it could be the situation where like Cal tweeted out and posted on Instagram a few days ago, once Shibway announced, he was like, we're looking for people that fit our culture here, yada, yada, yada. We're looking for people that fit what we want to do. And maybe they just genuinely aren't finding those guys right now in the portal. I find it very hard to believe considering how many people have come and gone uh, through the portal over the past two months now. Uh, But That could be the situation as opposed to, hey, guys, we messed up and we missed out on every single prospect that we could have landed. So let's go after freshmen. Do Mm -hmm. I think that this is a good move? I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it's a terrible idea because you need bodies. You need an answer. And so this if this is the only answer you have, then great. I'm also not going to sit here and tell you it's a great move because like we just talked about, freshmen don't necessarily translate to wins in March. I will say this. I will say this. 
I am excited about Jordan Burks and mm-hmm. because after going to watch some of his film, he looks like a Kentucky Wildcat. Now at six foot nine, very comfortable handling the ball. I believe led OTE in scoring. He was over 27 points a game. Not the best shooter, uh, but certainly somebody I could see in a Kentucky uniform and playing very well, especially if you got a couple of years to show. Joey Hart, I'm very perplexed by. It's a six foot five shooting guard that you could play at wing if you wanted to. At that point, just play a Duthiero at your three. If that's what you're trying to solve here, you've got a four-star on roster that's continuing to grow and is arguably just as good of a shooter. I mean, what what is the what is the addition here? Mm-hmm. I'm confused by that move overall, Andy, but I'm not going to sit here and say it's a great or a terrible move because at the end of the day, it is kind of solving an issue somewhat. It's an interesting offseason so far for Coach Calipari, and I do want to talk uh, to kind of close this out here about the transfer portal because we've kind of alluded to, oh, there's their continual look at freshmen and there's not a lot of depth left in the transfer portal. And that's true, but it doesn't mean that there are no players that are potentially available for Kentucky and Calipari in the portal. Now, Grant Nelson, at this point, we're going to talk about him to close out the show. He is no longer considering Kentucky. It sounds like he's down to either Alabama or Arkansas, so he will be facing Kentucky at some point next season. As Zion Pullen was one of the best players available in the portal. He seems to be down to either Florida or LSU. There just aren't a lot of very impactful players that are currently available. Of course, graduate transfers can still enter the transfer portal so perhaps there are some veteran guys that could end up uh, joining the portal at some point this offseason but at this point looking at the players available for you Lance are there any players that that stand out as as guys that could really help kind of turn the narrative on this offseason for Kentucky I don't think that there's one individual player that could turn the narrative for Kentucky because even if you bring in one it's like okay awesome man you got one where are the other three that you should have gotten uh, right. since May? Like, honestly, but mm-hmm. I think that there is one guy, quite literally one guy that the Wildcats have on radar right now that they have a legitimate chance of picking up, and that's the mm-hmm. Creighton transfer, Arthur Kaluma. We yeah. haven't heard anything over the past, I think, couple of days about what his recruitment currently looks like, but he's a, a wing from uh, from Creighton that was a double-digit score for two years in a row. I think looked really good last year at different points, was a big part of their NCAA tournament run at, at, at different stops, so... I think that he would be a very valuable addition because he's going to be a junior. I mean, right off the bat, you get an automatic win there. He's a scorer. He's a proven, he's a proven, I think, shooter uh, that somebody can, that he's somebody that can develop, I think, uh, even better uh, when it comes to his outside shot. But uh, he would be a, and this is an understatement because of the the state of the roster, he would be a great addition to Kentucky's roster just simply because of the experience alone you pair him with Aaron Bradshaw. I mean, at that point, you would have the uh, uh, opportunity to slide Bradshaw down to the five if you had uh, Onyenzo get in foul trouble or injuries, which, by the way, we've gone this entire episode without talking about the fact that if you have one injury, yeah. one injury, you've got some problems yeah. in your front court. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Arthur Kaluma is the only player I'm aware of as of this moment that mm-hmm. the Wildcats have a strong chance with. Um, probably going to cry myself to sleep tonight over Grant Nelson, but um, you know, it's just the state, the state of being a wildcat fan, I suppose. Lance, I hope that the next time we have you on the show, we're in a little bit better spirits. Uh, I think I said that the last time that we had you on and <laughs> did not end up being the case, but uh, it's going to be a really interesting rest of the off season for Calipari. We'll be curious to see uh, again, as we're recording this, curious to see if they do land both Hart and Burks and what that potentially means for, for somebody like Kaluma or Reeves or anybody else who may enter the portal later in the season, but I want to thank you for taking the time to come on the show and, and hopefully we can, uh, if nothing else, Kentucky is going to be a very fascinating team to watch next year. I'm looking forward to that, but uh, yeah, not a lot of confidence in how they're going to do at this point for next season. 
Yeah, not a lot of confidence here right now. But Andy, I do really appreciate you having me on. And once we talk again, I really do hope that things have turned around. After pulling his name out of the 2023 NBA draft, transfer Grant Nelson out of North Dakota State is down to two programs in Alabama and Arkansas for his next destination. We're going to break both programs down coming up right after this. All right, segment three here. We talked to our great friend Lance Daw here to start out the show discussing Kentucky and all of the issues they have been having, which includes not landing a player like Grant Nelson, who was rumored to go to Kentucky. He is going to be in the SEC. It sounds like potentially playing against the Wildcats next season, as he has now decided he is between either Arkansas or Alabama. He had ruled out Baylor, another program that was heavily pursuing the North Dakota State unicorn style transfer. So what I want to do here to close out the show is talk a little bit about Nelson and each program, Alabama and Arkansas, and where he might be the best fit. Nelson, for those of you who are unfamiliar, six foot 11 power forward out of North Dakota State, had a highlight reel package put together for him last December that went viral all over college basketball Twitter. He is a electric player, not a particularly efficient outside shooter, I think 27, 28% from three last year, but puts the ball on the deck. Uh, very good ball handler, very good shot blocker, kind of showed a lot of those unicorn type skills that, that that have been used to describe players like Chet Holmgren in the past. Of course, Chet was a far more consistent outside shooter than Nelson was. Nelson declared for the NBA draft and made it very clear throughout that process that the NBA was his goal. That was what he wanted. He basically said, I haven't even thought about the transfer portal process. I haven't really thought about where I would play in college. I just want to be an NBA player. And he showed flashes during the NBA draft combine. You could see some glimpses of why he's such an appealing player, an intriguing prospect, all of that, but ultimately didn't didn't get the feedback that he needed to stay in the NBA draft, uh, decided to withdraw his name and is now looking around for his next college destination. Again, Baylor, Kentucky, Gonzaga, a bunch of other programs were involved in his recruitment. Uh, ultimately, he is now down to two schools, Alabama and Arkansas. We'll start with the Crimson Tide. And I, I'll be honest with you, the Crimson Tide clearly have a bigger need for a front court player than Arkansas. Doesn't mean Arkansas couldn't use Grant Nelson, and we'll get to them to close out the show. But for Alabama, in particular, the recent surprise loss of Charles Bediaco really put a damper on Alabama's offseason and has them in a position of significantly needing some help in the front court. Bediaco was their rim protector, low post scorer, rim runner, seven foot guy, very athletic. Uh, and he decided to stay in the NBA draft process. There's some, it's a little bit interesting to see that. I think that Bediaco is the kind of player who could thrive in the NBA, but doesn't necessarily have the, the requisite skills often uh, valued for, for big men in the modern NBA, namely outside shooting. He was a 35% free throw shooter last year and has not demonstrated any real outside shooting ability. Uh, but uh, again, the athleticism is enough for NBA teams to certainly take a chance on him. But Bediaco is not the only front court player to leave Alabama. And that's why they're in such a, a tough position right now, because of course, Brandon Miller was never going to come back and Miller was more of a three, but he was still six, nine. Uh, and so that's some significant size to be out the door. And of course, picked very early in the upcoming NBA draft. Noah Clowney is out the door as well. They also lose Gurley, and that's four six foot nine or bigger players from last year's Alabama team that are out the door. 
Now they do return Pringle and Pringle was a guy that didn't play a ton last year for Alabama, but is expected to take on a much, much bigger role for NATO. It's in the Crimson Tide this upcoming season to the point where uh, our good friend and, and frequent guest of the show, Leaf Tulin, talked about this in a, a recent episode of Locked On College Basketball. You everyday listeners, I'm sure, caught this conversation between Leaf and I, and he kind of said that while he doesn't think Pringle necessarily pushed out Betty Ako, he does believe that there's kind of this growing belief uh, for Alabama that, that Pringle can step into a really big role for this team and that that might have kind of contributed to Betty Ako's decision to, to ultimately stay in that NBA draft process. But Pringle's the only real returner in the front court. They lose four players again over 6'9". Uh, they do gain Sam Walters. Walters is the 57th ranked freshman uh, in the class of 2023. That's at 24-7 sports. He stands at 6'8". So again, it's not a significant front court addition necessarily, uh, but at least some more size coming into the program. There's Beyond just the obvious need, uh, you know, when you're looking at what is the best fit for a player, certainly whichever team needs you more, has more guaranteed minutes, has a higher likelihood of playing you 25, 28, 30, 32 minutes per game. Outside of that, Alabama also kind of has the kind of offense that I think would really serve Grant Nelson well. They love spacing the floor. They have that kind of no middle, no mid-range shot offense, get to the cup or shoot threes. That's always been NATO's strategy. It's his strategy when he was at Buffalo. It's been a strategy throughout his time at Alabama, and it's, and it's worked. Love him or hate him for NATO's. He's a very, very good basketball coach, and there is a reason that these teams have had so much success. And for Grant Nelson, right now, the three-point shooting hasn't been all that consistent. But what happens when he joins a team where you know you have Mark Sears coming back, you have Javon Quinterly coming back, you have a very talented group groom group of guards you have a player like Noah Pringle who's expected to step in and, and, and play a big role for this team and then you all of a sudden have this a lot of floor spacing what it should in theory do is open up Grant Nelson to having much more open looks open shots for three open shots around the rim uh, more room to to drive to the basket which is something that he's shown a lot of valuable skill in and I think that obviously there's a big difference between the Summit League and the SEC but if the, if the floor is spaced where he can put the ball on the deck and drive to the basket without a lot of help defenders in the way I think that's really going to serve him well beyond that Alabama needs some they need some experience in the front court. They just don't have it. You Pringles, a sophomore, Sam Walters is an incoming freshman. That's really kind of the, the, the primary depth that they have in that front court. And you want somebody who has college basketball experience, who has, you know, proven that they can play at this uh, in college basketball. I haven't proven he can play at this level. And that is an absolute question for Grant Nelson. But again, he's going to be in the SEC either way, whether he's at Alabama or Arkansas, those questions about can his game translate up to the SEC, they're going to be there regardless. But for Alabama, because of the style they play, because of the needs they have in the front court, it strikes me as a better fit at this point for Grant Nelson. Does that mean he's going to pick there? I don't know. But I think that it's more obvious on paper uh, for him to go there. Then there's Arkansas. Arkansas has lost Mikhail Mitchell. He transferred out. They lost Jalen Graham. He's out of eligibility. They returned Makai Mitchell and they returned Trevon Brazil and they gained Bay Fall. They fall top 30 prospect in the class of 2023, six foot 10, very, very athletic center, really exciting young prospect for the Hogs. So that's kind of where they're at at this point. And again, much, it's more obvious that they don't have as big of a need in the front court as Alabama. However, 
That doesn't mean that they couldn't use Grant Nelson. And they haven't really ascribed to the notion of, oh, we don't have a need there, so we're not going to add players. Case in point, they added five guards in the transfer portal, five really talented guards. And of course, they lost Anthony Black. They lost Nick Smith Jr. They lost Jordan Walsh. All three of those guys decided to stay in the NBA draft process. You're going to hear a lot more about both Walsh, or excuse me, both Black and Smith on the Thursday edition of the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. But Arkansas doesn't have as much of a need in the front court with Mitchell and Brazil both returning and Bayfall coming into the picture. But that might that might not necessarily be a bad thing. In fact, that might actually be a good thing. Nelson could come into a system where he is not kind of relied upon as we desperately need you to play 32 minutes a game and be the best version of yourself or else our team isn't going to be uh, what we want them to be. I'm not saying Alabama is in that dire of straits, but with the way that their front court is shaping up right now, if they were to add Grant Nelson, there would be a lot of pressure on him to perform right away because that team really needs him to do that. Not necessarily as much pressure at Arkansas where he's got teammates around him who have already played not only at this level, but in this program in Mitchell and Brazil, they've played here. They know how to do it at Arkansas. They know how to play for coach Musselman. They know how to play in the sec and having those teammates around him, as long as, as well as a, a very dynamic group of talented guards, you got LLS, Keon Menefield, everybody else that's coming into that program. I think that the fit at Arkansas makes a ton of sense as well. I don't think he can go wrong. I really don't. I think there are some questions about whether Grant Nelson's game will translate fully at the SEC level, specifically on the defensive end of the floor. He was a great shot blocker at North Dakota State. How much of that was the fact that he was six foot 11 with really long arms? And there's not a lot of players in the Summit League who are that size. That is a fair question and a question that ultimately nobody can tell you with absolute certainty how Nelson will do until we see it. If somebody says Nelson's guaranteed to be a star in the SEC or if somebody tells you Nelson, there's no way he's going to translate to that level. Neither of those people are telling you the honest truth because they don't know. <laughs> Neither do I. I'm not going to pretend that I do. I have a, a belief that Nelson in the right system uh, with the right coaching staff, and I believe in Musselman and Oates, they're both very good coaches. I think he can thrive in the right role. And I think both these coaches have the opportunity to give him that correct role. Nelson might see the appeal of going to Alabama where he's going to be more likely a featured player, a, a starter, a 30 plus minute per game guy. That might be more appealing to him. But on the other hand, Arkansas, where there's a little bit less pressure, a little bit more talent around him in the front court, that might help him as well. He's got a really tough decision to make. He's got a fun decision to make. He's going to be one of the more exciting players to track next year in college basketball, transferring from the Summit League all the way up to the SEC. All right, that is going to do it for us today. Thanks again to Lance for joining the show. And thank you to all of you for listening. We really appreciate whether it's your first time listening, your 100th time listening, 250th time listening, whatever it may be. We appreciate every single one of you here on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. You can find us wherever you get your podcast. You can also find us on YouTube as well. Look out for a great show with Isaac and Leaf on Thursday talking more about those Arkansas hogs coming up Thursday. Thank you all for listening, and of course, peace out.